0: This is Kyle McCord, and you're listening to Austin Felix and Matt on the W Debate.
1: Welcome to the W Debate. All right, boys, are we ready to debate? Austin, you tweeted something, girl. You tweeted your running back rankings. Explain yourself, boy. That escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. You jumped up and.
0: That's Austin Nate. Who is going to be that guy? And for me, Bijan Robinson is still going to be that guy. Back to the ground with Robinson, who
1: spins and then tries to bounce it. A skip arm, another one as he rides it, keeps his balance. They're going to say he's stepped out, but up. I'm feeling sharp. I know you didn't think that we would get through this episode without mentioning the name. One, Zach F. Wilson. Sp- screen or draw? Oh, Wilson. is going to uncork for the end wow. zone. And he drops it in beautifully. And it is his roommate, Dax Milne, on the touchdown.
2: That's Matt Brody. Scott Jr. Obviously, I whacked poetic about him on the last episode, so I won't do that again here.
1: And this Thomas Fields
2: on the carry watch out.
1: Justin Fields. Hello, Columbus. 51 yards. Bruni, are you ready to go head to head with me? I am. Gotta get my popcorn out here. Well, no.
2: Gotta continue. I got I got to, Kyle McCord is going to end up winning the job. He's going to be rated higher. I'm. Well, I'm not nearly as passionate about what I'm about to talk about. Oh. Our apologies for Curb
1: Street. And Anna's time will get to the this soon, and for Matt Bruning and Austin A. I'm Felix Sharp tonight, and good luck. It's 9.30 Eastern time. The time zone with the best pizza. That means it's time for the David Debate. brought to you by campusscant.com. That's Matt Bruning. That's Austin Mason. I'm Felix Sharp on an extra cheesy version of tonight's show. The Debbie Debate crew reveals its top 10 quarterbacks. New rankings here. Should Jameer Gibbs enter the transfer portal? And we look at the crystal ball with the Debbie Debates. But we start with the brilliance of Keyshawn Boutte, who had 117 yards and a touchdown in the first half against Auburn this past weekend. He would go on to only have two more catches in the game, finishing with six for 127 and one. But in his last eight games, Kayshaun Boutte has had 57 catches for 962 yards and 14 touchdowns. Now, I asked Jarek Backus, Campus Canton's resident uh, analytics expert, to give me some bullet points on how good Kayshawn Boutte has been. And he gave me a whole bunch of information, the majority of which I'm not going to understand. However, (laughs) however, with only playing, what, five games, four games into the season, he is already comparing to A.J. Brown, Sammy Watkins, Jamar Chase, Juju Smith-Schuster, Jerry Judy, Keenan Allen, Kendall Wright, if you remember him out of Baylor, Robert Woods. And if he improves on those numbers this this year, then he will uh, compare to some of our elite, elite prospects like Odell Beckham Jr., A.J. Green, and Calvin Ridley, Matt Bruning, How good is Kayshaun Butey?
2: he's amazing. He's the standalone wide receiver in C2C, Debbie ranks. I mean, in my opinion, however you want to look at it, if he's not number one, I I said uh, on the Debbie wire podcast that I do, I don't like to criticize anybody's rankings, but if he's not number one for you, you're just doing it wrong. He had the early breakout as a freshman where Austin and myself talked about on an upcoming episode, Austin mentioned, you know, he wasn't even supposed to be the guy last year. He was supposed to be like the third or fourth target, Injuries, Terrace Marshall opts out. He becomes the number one like three or four games into the season and just goes off, and he's produced at a higher level, not just the guys you mentioned, but Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, two guys who are also part of that LSU team back in the day. He's outproduced them at their levels, and even at the height of their levels, he's outproduced them in two years. He's killing it right now. I think uh, it was like at like a 45% dominator rating or something like that earlier this season season. And I think it's fair to say he's the main and sole thing that most defenses are likely trying to stop every single week, and yet they still cannot stop him. And he doesn't have a Joe Burrow throwing him the ball. Max Johnson's good. He's not Joe Burrow. You know, uh, Miles Brennan last year, he's hes good. He's not Joe Burrow. So. I 100% agree with the take that Austin gave on Twitter, and I won't give that away because it was Austin's take. Uh, but I 100% agree with what he said about Keyshawn Boutte when it comes to others here. Uh, and and I, I think we're going to – he is going to be the next – when he comes into the NFL, he's going to blow everybody away. He, he's going to be, I think, a for sure top three pick in, in rookie drafts, and he's going to be one of those guys that just like we didn't expect Chase to do this year – He's going to be one of those guys that's just he's immediately in your lineup and he's going to produce for you every single week.
0: Yeah, I guess I'll lead off um, with that since Matt just kind of teased it there. So I, I haven't had a tier one wide receiver since Sammy Watkins. It's been, I forget exactly what year that was, but it's been a very, very, very long time. Um, people forget how good of a prospect Sammy Watkins was coming out of Clemson. We, he, we, he could do it all. And he was an amazing athlete coming out, obviously injuries uh, while he was still in Buffalo. There kind of have held him back. Uh, or I sorry I haven't had a tier zero wide receiver. I think I might've said tier one, but tier zero, which for me is like just elite, elite prospect, like a Julio Jones level kind of Calvin Johnson. Like those are tier zero guys. Jamar chase. I really liked him. I never really considered him for that category. I think Kayshawn Butte might hit tier zero for me. He's just that good. And the thing about him that I think separates him, even from a Jamar chase who had basically everything we like in a wide receiver prospect is that I think Boutet is even more well-rounded than Jamar Chase is. He can win any way you want him to. He could go into any team. If a team said, we need you as a rookie to be the deep ball guy, I think he could go in and be an extremely effective deep ball guy in the NFL. If you said, we need you to be our possession guy, he could go do that immediately. If they said, we want you to play in the slot, he could do that. If you need to play on the outside, he can do that. I mean, he, he can just really play basically any style you want him to. There are... No athleticism concerns. He's the perfect size for the modern NFL receiver. There, right around six foot one ninety. I mean, he can kick. He's done kick return stuff before too. I mean, I think he could do that at a high level if you asked him. I just there's nothing that he can't do. Um, He he's just and he produced right away. There's really nothing else you can ask for. He's the only guy in college right now. I think that is the unquestioned one at their position. I think there are arguments. For the running backs, you know, Travion Henderson, I, I you know I, I, Bijan's the number one, but I think there's, you know, you could make an argument for Travion Henderson, the quarterbacks. I don't know that we have a quarterback one that's consensus and then tight end. We don't care about, but I mean, it's, it's mayor and Bowers, but Boutte is just unquestioned. Number one, there, there is nobody even close to him right now.
1: Yeah. I mean, we talk about the last eight games, 57, nine, sixty-two, and 14. That doesn't even consider his 200 yards in the spring game where he absolutely went off. I think. Kayshawn Butte is one of the reasons why there's no comparison, in my opinion, between the 2022 class and the 2023 class. The 2023 class has some players who are elite or are trending that way. Kayshawn Boute is one. Michael Mayer is one. Bryce Young is trending in that direction. And then the three running backs, Jameera Gibbs, I still think he fits in that category. Obviously, Bijan and Tank Bigsby. That's an elite class. And Kayshawn Boute is. Uh, one of the reasons why, which leads me to the question, uh, what, what would you put the odds on him playing in 2022? Austin, go ahead and take that first.
0: I think they'll actually be decent. And I, because he's played this year with Derek Stingley, the cornerback there for LSU, who's considered the top corner in the class, one of the top defensive players in the class and probable top 10 pick. I mean, we'll see how the offseason uh, process shakes out. And Stingley's playing all year. And I think Boutte and and him, you know, I I, from what I hear, they're you know they're buddies. I I think that he's seeing Stingley do it this year, and I think he'll he'll stay and play another year. Maybe not. I mean, maybe he'll get like six games in and sit out. I mean, Stingley's out and just injured right now, and I we've seen the last of him. Um, But from what I, I don't think it's anything serious. I think it's just you know you go to that point, and then you say I'll see you guys later. But I, I think he plays at least half the season next year.
1: And I was just gonna say, Stingley is injured. I mean, he may learn from Jamar Chase and Stingley that he doesn't really need this anymore. Matt, what would you put the odds on Kayshawn Boute playing a, another season?
2: Ninety percent. I just, I, I need to see more, uh, more players opting out before I'm gonna believe that more and more players are gonna do it. I, I know a couple guys have done it this year. And Boutte is probably not even probably he's got the cachet to do it. I mean, he could opt out. He could opt out today, and I still think it's probably going to be the top wide receiver drafted uh, in that draft class. But I, he should opt out today. He
1: should opt out today. He should. Say, maybe it's I've
2: done. I put everything being on film. Selfish. I'm out of here. Maybe it's me being selfish and wanting to see him out there play. Obviously, you run the risk of being injured, and we don't want that. We just saw what happened to Dante Dimas last Friday night. That's, I, I, you know, you, you can never guess what an injury could come and, and not everybody bounces back from injury. So obviously you don't want to wish that for him. I, I, I hope he continues to play, but if he were to opt out, I mean, he's got the cachet to do it.
0: Has anybody opted out this year?
2: Yes, there was someone Ooh. I'm trying to remember who it was off the top of my head. It was, I'm almost positive. It was a wide receiver, but I can't remember who it is.
0: Cause I mean, guys opted out last year, but I think a lot of that had to do with COVID.
1: Sure, but we like seen we, haven't really, we haven't really we haven't we saw the trend starting with bowl games and LSU's sure. schedule. Their last game is Texas A&M on November twenty seventh. Uh, why would Keishon Boutte, They're not going to going to the SEC championship game. Why would he play in the bowl game? I think we're going to know very soon whether or not he's going to play in twenty twenty two. Because if he doesn't play in that bowl game, he's sitting out next year. And I think he should. Why would why would Jaden Blue sit out his senior season? of high school
0: and make that decision.
1: And and then Kayshawn Boutte not sit out uh, his, his third year of eligibility before he jumps, makes the jump to the NFL, especially when he just saw his teammate, Jamar Chase do this and, uh, or the, the alum there. And when, when his, you mentioned Stingley Stingley's out for the rest of the season his, dra- his draft stock is going to be solidified. If it isn't already, it will be very shortly. There's no sense in him playing in 2022. Uh, and I would actually say that I would put the odds at 10% that he plays next season.
0: I have a new dream job. I have a new dream job. I want <laughs> to be the lawyer that writes all these uh, NIL contracts for these guys. I was put so many fucking poison pills in these contracts so these guys can't opt out. Like... I have a really hard time now that some of these I mean I realize the money is not even equivalent to what he's gonna make as a rookie, but like once you start making money, I feel like the the pressure and everything else is just like you really shouldn't be considering it at that point. But uh, I guess you know the increments are you know different.
1: I disagree with you. I disagree with you because if I'm a company, if I'm Subway and I'm sponsoring DJ Uiungalele. I want to see him make it to the NFL when his brand becomes bigger. So if he sits out one year, which is a couple of months and I'm not marketing him during that time, it's about, we're talking about relationships that can last a decade. Why would I care if he didn't play for that three or four go, months? Go, Hey, guess what? Go find the guy that
0: breaks out while he's sitting out.
1: You can do that too. You can absolutely do that too. But Someone like Kayshawn Boutte is going to be a top ten pick in the NFL draft in 2023. He can have a Subway hat, he can have a Dr Pepper hat on, or a Dr Pepper T-shirt when he walks across the stage at the number seven pick, because that's going to happen. So I mean, I don't, I think if, from an if, investment if a player
0: ever walks across the stage in a Dr Pepper shirt, <laughs> I hope there's a sniper on site and just takes <laughs> him the fuck out.
1: We Matt Burning, the the audience hasn't seen Austin be Mr. Scrooge in the uh, in our private chat, but Austin is very much the elitist that he pretends to be. The, uh, uh, hates 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 the kids. So, um, all right, all right. Let's let's move on here. Since we're on this topic of wide receivers, Drake London had an explosive game uh, this past week. Twenty twenty two is a down class. We've got this, you know this this big wide receiver who's a contested catch player how comfortable do we feel about drake london as an nfl alpha uh come at, at any point in, in his career matthew do you see that in his future <laughs> I know you did You had to, do, add, in so the, you had to
2: you. add in the alpha part. I don't know if I've ever said he's an alpha. Um, you know, we we again, me and Austin actually just had this conversation yesterday, um, and I will give uh, Kevin Coleman props on this uh, at the boys underscore twenty two. He said this with us on coast to coast last weekend. The one thing that worries me about Drake London is I think his his variables are, are very widespread. It's a, the size of uh, the Grand Canyon, as I said, when me and Austin talked yesterday. He could end up being Nikhil Harry, or he could end up being Mike Evans. Obviously, I don't think he's either one of those. I do think he's somewhere in between. We talked a lot about, and Austin has mentioned this before, he spent a lot of time in the slot. Last year and that worried him about him possibly going to the outside and beating players on the outside, creating separation. We have not seen a lot of him creating separation, but he has spent a lot of time on the outside this year, 280 snaps out wide compared to 34 in the slot. So he's playing outside a lot more. He's very good, obviously, at the contested catch. We saw a couple of those highlights kind of making the rounds on Twitter the other day. He's got the size. He's got really good hands. I've stated that I think he's a little, he has more athleticism than he gets credit for, but I don't think he's ever going to be like a major separator, even going into the next level. I don't think he's Mike Evans level, but I do think he can be, a, like, wide receiver two for fantasy. And I don't know that he'll ever be, like, the one for a team, but I do think he could be a very – like, uh, uh, not making this exact comparison, I'm not saying he's Kenny Galladay, but I feel like he could do something Mm -hmm. like that for an offense. Like, go up, get those contested catches. So I do think he's got pretty good body control as well. Be a red zone threat. If he can do that, then he's going to be good at the next level. But you do have to bake in the part that he could end up being Nikhil Harry. And I don't know that Nikhil Harry is as bad as he's shown. He clearly went to a team that did not value him and use him the correct way in their offense. But that is on the, you know, scale of what he can become.
0: Yeah, stylistically, I think Galladay is a really interesting name to bring up there. Um, a, a name that maybe I don't hear a lot of people talk about with him. I mean, he's somewhere like that or Michael Pittman. That, that, and I know that Michael Pittman was a little lazy because he was literally Drake London two years ago. Um I don't, like, he's the kind of player, the kind of profile that I'm just okay on missing on. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't, those type of guys don't tend to have sustained success in the NFL. They're fewer and far between. I mean, Mike Evans and then Vincent Jackson before him are, like, the two big guys like that that I can think of that have really relied on kind of just winning at the catch point. And they don't do a ton else. So, so that's the kind of guy where I'm just fine not getting him. I mean, he's probably going to go like the late or mid-late first round of uh, uh, rookie drafts this coming year. And that's just going to be way too early for me to be comfortable taking him. So I'm, he's going to be like like Rashad Bateman was this year for me or Elijah Moore, right? I just wasn't comfortable taking them in their range. I, I think he's going to be that guy there for me. Because, um, yeah, he just he still doesn't separate. All his highlights are him like going up over guys. All of, All of his
1: highlights, of even that one-handed catch was, you know, him – making a a catch while being covered. But the thing is, when those guys hit, you know, they have 10, 12, 13, 14 touchdown type seasons, uh, and they can be real assets in fantasy. But I, Austin, I'm kind of with you. I'm just kind of over um, touting the contested catchers, and I've been that way since USC's Mike Williams went to the Detroit Lions, number 10 overall. Uh, You know, ever since then, I've felt a little bit scarred. All right, Austin, you've got a little bit of housekeeping for us. You have to hate just about every archetype of player because Detroit has just ruined
0: every, <laughs> like any kind of guy over the past twenty five years. Uh, you're like, where's the next Calvin Johnson or Barry Sanders? That's the only thing we can't mess up. Um,
1: Number 19 pick in 1998, Terry Fair. Number 20 was Randy Moss. So I don't know that we would have uh, messed with him. So mm-hmm.
0: there's an alternate timeline somewhere where you didn't. Um, housekeeping, yay! My favorite part of the show. Uh, three items for you guys. The floor
1: floor is yours, Austin. The floor is
0: yours. The floor is mine. Oh, thank you. That's very nice of you to say. Um, I'm gonna start with our Saturday shows that we do two live shows every Saturday. The first one kicks off your college Saturday, 10 a.m. to noon, two hour show. The first hour, all your sit start. Injury news, college fantasy. Uh, and We talk a little prize picks as well, which I will talk about here in a second. Second hour DFS betting uh, with Alfred, Will, and Chris Moxley. After the day is over, the big primetime game ends around 11, 1130 Eastern Standard Time at night. We go live for an hour with Coast to Coast, and we wrap up the entire day, kind of go through all the big stories, all the happenings. Um, So check out both of those. Those are both through CampusCanton.com. They are both on the YouTube page there. and We tweet all that stuff out. Um, As it's happening Second as I mentioned earlier prize picks We have partnered with prize picks here this season It is a really cool website It's basically player props if you're playing Fantasy you already know Player props you know who's going to do Who you think is going to do well and not so Well that week and they basically give a bunch Of props a bunch of different positions you Can uh, you you have to pick multiple Somewhere between two and five if you get A certain number of them correct you Win money based on your bet if you sign Up for that prize picks Go to prizepicks.com, enter promo code C2C. When you sign up, you get an initial deposit match up to $100 from, uh, from, from Prize Picks. And if you deposit at least $20, you get a free year of campusdecanton.com. Free year.
1: Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Austin. You're saying that if, if you go to Prize and you deposit 20 how much is the subscription to the website itself? It is twenty-nine ninety nine. Twenty-nine ninety nine. And if you deposit just twenty dollars, that's a ten dollar discount. Not only do you get a match of your money, but you also get a free subscription to the website and you can win. You can, I mean, you could win whatever you can win with prize picks. That's an excellent deal, Austin. I'm sorry, I did not mean to interrupt you. My, I'm sorry. If there's anything else you wanted to add, go
0: go ahead. No, no, no. You're you're good. You're good. You just keep doing you, Felix. You know, you're such a fun guy, that Felix. Uh, and then the last thing, as we said, campuscant.com, if you guys are interested in learning more about that format, getting more into college fantasy, Devi, any of those things, uh, $2.99 a month, $29.99 for a year. We have all sorts of different tools, uh, different articles, rankings, ADP, uh, just, just a lot of different stuff over there and our Discord as well. Um, so check all of that out. Um, I'll kick it back to you, Felix.
1: All right. Um, I want to talk about quarterbacks. Matt Corral had a uh, you know a big game for him against Alabama. <laughs> they they that game was out of hand very quickly, but Matt Corral didn't turn the ball over, which is which are some are chalking up as a, a moral victory for the kid who could be the first quarterback taken in the upcoming draft in 2021, including that Alabama game. Matt Corral, according to PFF, has zero interceptable passes. And he's not turned the ball over. No, no fumbles. No interceptions this season, compared to last season where he had sixteen. Sixteen. Matt, what are your thoughts about Matt Corral and you know his performance against Alabama and whether or not he's trending to being the first quarterback taken?
2: Whew, that's a loaded question. He's looking better than last year, based purely stat-wise. Uh, I have not been able to. Go back and re-watch a lot of these games. I'll save some. of Austin, I know, has, and he's seen some things that he doesn't feel have been corrected. I haven't had that opportunity yet, so I can't speak on that. I do think that he looks better just from the games that I've watched him live than he did last year. I do think he's in the conversation to be QB1. I honestly think right now it has to be between him and Sam Howell. And I've stated before, I think Sam Howell likely goes one. Because I think a team is going to treat him a lot like the Cleveland Browns did Baker Mayfield, and that they see the upside in a Josh Allen and a Lamar Jackson. But everything's got to come together. They've got to make sure that they build around them and make that happen. We know what we knew what Baker was, and we knew what he could be, and what he wasn't going to be. He was a safe option, safe floor, and I think that's kind of what Sam Howell is. I think Sam Howell's a little bit better than Baker. But I think his floor is very safe, and that even if he were to quote-unquote bust, you're still going to have a serviceable quarterback. He may not take you to the heights that a Matt Corral can. So if I had to pick between those two right now, I'm still taking Howell. Uh, But I do think Matt Corral deserves to be in the discussion, and I want to see how the rest of the season plays out for him because I also think it's fair to say he didn't have a horrible game against Alabama, and I don't think any quarterback is going to look good against Alabama this year.
0: Yeah, so I like Matt said. I I have actually gone back uh, before the Alabama game last week uh, during the week of their bye. Actually, I went back and watched all of uh, Ole Miss's first three games, and then I, I did of course watch the Bama Ole Miss game uh, this past weekend. Um, I know that PFF defined the PFF to find the turnover worthy play as like a a, play, a pass can be picked off and it can be a, a not a turnover worthy play, which. I don't necessarily agree with, um, but I went back and watched and I picked out multiple passes that I felt probably should have been picked off or were not particularly good decisions. He he made a very incorrect read and through in one, the pass got bad at the line of scrimmage. And if it didn't, it was going for six the other way. And another one, he just did not even notice a guy drop back in zone coverage and underneath a wide receiver and almost got it picked off again. But it was kind of, you know, up here. Like, you know, this is a an audio platform. You can't see my arm if you are not watching this live. But um, so, I mean, he's still kind of making these questionable throws, but he mixes in these just beautiful ones that just kind of make you forget about all the bad things that are happening. So, and the other the other thing about him is, I will say that that the the system they have there is doing him a lot of favors, mm-hmm. a lot of favors. If yeah. you watch Ole Miss at all this year. The base part of their offense is RPO, RPO, they, they, basically almost everything out of the shotgun, whoever's whatever running back in the backfield there with him, fake the handoff. He reads the linebackers If linebackers are stepping to take that away. He just throws it to whoever's running right in behind those linebackers. If they don't step, then, he, you know, he either hands it off or he kind of holds it. And, and he runs himself sometimes, too. He's, he's more mobile than I think he sometimes gets credit for. If he goes mm-hmm. one hundred and one this year, let's say you know whatever it's, he he declares he goes first overall. If a team is not running some form of that in their offense, I think he struggles early. I really do because that's been his bread and butter all year. So I still think there are a lot of things about him that make me hesitant to fall in love with him. But I definitely, I mean, you see the tools like they're just so uh, cannon of an arm. Like he he's very accurate when he needs to be. Just makes bad and that's decisions.
1: that's yeah. actually the difference between someone like Jamie Newman coming out of Wake Forest and Matt Corral. Wake Forest ran that heavy, heavy RPO scheme where they have these long, drawn-out mesh points to suck in the linebackers. But Matt Corral does have the tools. I mean, he has the arm strength. Shout-out to Jared Wackerly. I told you in the offseason, I said, this dude has the arm. And he he does. And he has the mobility on a Zach Wilson level. But we don't know how he would look outside of Lane Kiffin's offense. And so I think that you're absolutely right, Austin. It's a dangerous year to have that one-on-one pick if you are going to take someone like Matt Corral because he's going to have to be developed. He's going to have to continue to to develop uh, at the next level. And to be honest, I wouldn't – if he secures that first-round top-10 draft capital, he's absolutely going to come out. But he's someone who could benefit from staying in college another year, just to put—I would consider this season a good season—and to put put another season um, together uh, uh, where he's being consistent, where he's not making those turnover-worthy plays, and where he's doing other things in the offense, being responsible for what happens at the line of scrimmage. The the play that you mentioned, where he's just missing a missing a coverage and he just overthrew it and uh, and didn't see the guy, but it wasn't intercepted. JTL Sullivan pointed a lot of throws like that for Zach Wilson, where he's throwing the ball like around, cor- like the ball should have never gotten there, um, even though it was complete. So um, it, it's just a dangerous year. Dangerous year to have the 101 if you're going to take Matt Corral. Speaking of, I was listening to the College to Canton podcast, Travis May's podcast today, and uh, they actually took Matt Corral um, 101 in a mock uh, rookie draft. So I mean, that's how highly Matt Corral is being thought of. If I have the one-on-one next year in a super flex league and I'm looking at staring at Matt Corral, I think I'm absolutely trading down. Um, It just doesn't feel – I like Matt Corral, but he does not feel safe to me. He doesn't make me feel all warm and fuzzy as a one-on-one. Let's talk about the quarterbacks overall. Um, We were five weeks into the season – and there's been a lot of changes. I want to know who our top 10 quarterbacks are in Austin. I know your rankings change based on Devi or Campus to Canton. I think my C2C rankings kind of incorporate a Devi theme. So, but Matt, let's start with you. And to the extent you want to elaborate, feel free, but give me your top 10 rankings at the quarterback
2: position as they stand right now. All right, so I will say that I I do mind ranking more like you do, Felix. Uh, Austin and me talked a little bit about this the other day. I feel like my top probably 10 to 12, obviously, depending on the position, for my C2C are very close to what my Debbie are because I just kind of incorporate that in a little bit more. Um, I guess I'll start at 10, and I have made some changes to this uh, recently. So uh, it's Malik Willis, and a lot of that is he's out there having a really good year this year. He is currently doing a lot of things from the pocket and not running as much, which I think maybe someone whispered in his ear that NFL teams want to see. I do think that he gets the draft capital, and that's a reason why I have him up here. Again, I feel like I'm just completely talking about how smart Austin is on this episode. We had a discussion about this yesterday, and he said something that I very much agree with uh, that I honestly didn't even think of was that, with what Willis can do with his legs that will buy him time to progress as an NFL quarterback because he's he's going to be dangerous. I may have added the dangerous part on there, but it was something to that effect, And and I do agree with Austin. If he gets drafted in the first round, he may not be NFL ready yet, but because of how good of an athlete he is, I think he's going to get time to develop. I do think he gets that first-round draft capital. And even if you don't believe in him, you likely can move him for more in your league because someone else will because they'll see Lamar Jackson. Even though I don't think he's Lamar Jackson, someone will see that and think he's the next coming of that trade for him. At nine, I have Jackson Dart. Uh, I, just, I think he's got it all. He looked incredible in that game earlier this year. I wish he wouldn't have gotten hurt. Uh, you know, he looked poised in the pocket. I like that after he threw two interceptions, he came back out there like nothing happened. You don't always see that. A guy who just missed my top 12 or my top 10 in CJ Stroud, uh, when he threw an interception, he looked rattled. You didn't see that from Dart. Dart almost looked like he didn't care. I like that about him. At eight, I have Carson Strong. Again, I think the biggest thing with him is Aust- or Felix's running joke on Twitter is that he doesn't run. I I, I, I do think that that is going doesn't to be – I know I I, I, trust me I know I know um that's my biggest question obviously him going into the NFL to be a quarterback like that you have to be able to diagnose defenses and use your mind because you're not gonna be able to defeat anybody there like a Tom Brady Peyton Manning not comparing him to those guys but I think you've got to be able to do that I'm curious to see if he can I believe he can he does it on the college level but how much how much harder does that become at the NFL level for him at seven Spencer Rattler I honestly think he's coming back next year. We've talked a lot about that on this podcast. He has not looked good, and if he does come out this year, I think he's just a he's a, depreci, a depreciating asset right now. I think if you can move him for anything worth it, I would do it. I, I don't even believe in him. I, I said this at the beginning of last year. I did not believe in him as an NFL level. I've had Sam Howell over him the entire time, and, and he's not looked any better. Six, I moved DJU down to six, and – this was my biggest move and and the one that was the hardest for me to make. I don't like really moving players in season, but he does not look anything like the player we saw in two games last year. And so I think you just have to, whether that's Clemson's offense, play calling, he just doesn't look comfortable. So he is dropped for me. It's more – no, I'm not going to lie. It was not other people jumping him. He's played bad, and he's got dropped. Caleb Williams uh, has moved up to five. The biggest question I had for him was how good he was going to be at a passer. He looked good in the spring game. Wouldn't be surprised if we see more of him throughout the year. He's, he's very athletic. I like him. I uh, moved him up to five. Number four for me is Matt Corral having the really good season. Again, the biggest question is the uh, the turnovers and everything, which he's eliminated so far this year. Uh, three for me, Sam Howe. Again, just very safe floor. I think he's a very good quarterback overall. Had a bad week one, but then since then has bounced back and played just like he has the past two years, and I think that matters because now we're about to have three years of successful production from a guy who I think is a very good quarterback Two. I know it's crazy. We've never seen him throw a pass at the college level, but it's Quinn Ewers. I just believe in him that much. I believe in his ability. I think I you know what, Felix, you've got him in your top 10, I think. So, did two, you say two? Did you say two? Two maybe crazy for him, but I believe in him that much. I believe he's going to be that good even if he even if in some crazy world he gets beat out by CJ Stroud next year in transfers. He's going to win a starting job wherever he goes. Like I truly believe in his skill and talent. And as I've said um, on the Debbie Wire Show, I rank these guys based on what I think they can be at the NFL level. And I think Quinn Ewers can be that next big guy. So I, that's why I have him up here. And then number one has to be Bryce Young. He's just – He's proven it this year. He's answered any question we've had, and the the craziest thing is we have not even seen him. I, I know he's not a rushing quarterback, but we haven't even seen him use his legs to do anything to really avoid rushes, to make plays, and we know he has that in his arsenal. He's just been that good, so he's one for me
1: it's almost like Bryce Young is walking around the backfield. Like it's just, everything is just, I mean, we've said this many times, but things are just so easy for him because he has that escapability and he just waits to the last minute to use it. He's not Kyler Murray stylistically, but that way that Kyler Murray's like, I don't really care if there's a pass rush. Bryce Young has that, has that, has that in him and it makes him more dangerous. I want to say just a few things on um, uh, some of the comments you made. Um, DJ Uyunglele he he has he has the speed to be a runner, but he's not running the football right now. He's a pure drop back passer, and these drop back passers, man, they need separators who can uh, g- get open quickly because they want to get the ball out of their hands. And you look at what DJ Uyunglele has. I posted a, a, a Twitter uh, screenshot from the game. He's not seeing anything open, and he doesn't have any confidence. So he needs someone like a Hunter Renfro or Amari Rodgers. Like these guys who are going to take three-step dropbacks and get rid of the ball, they need someone who can get open within that three steps, and Clemson just doesn't. It's crazy, but Clemson doesn't have that type of player on the roster right now. I'm going to start at number 10. Jake Hayner is all all the way up to number 10. I had him at 20, so it wasn't that far up. But I think that he is a day-three pick who could absolutely – Uh, start in the NFL. The only question I have about Jake Hayner is whether or not he has that true opposite hash arm strength, but I don't think that you necessarily have to have that to be um, an an NFL quarterback. I don't know that Deshaun Watson had it. I don't know that Russell Wilson necessarily has it. Uh, Quite frankly, I don't know that Dak, Dak Prescott has it. I just love Jake Hayner's game. He's injured right now, but he's been impressive this season. And uh, it's too bad they lost to Hawaii because they should be ranked in the top 15 or so. Number nine is Spencer Rattler, all the way, I guess, from one to number nine. I'm going to be on. Well, we're going to talk about Spencer Rattler a little bit more later, so I'm not going to let that cat out of the bag. Number eight, I have Quint Ewers. I mean, all the hype surrounding him. Uh, I think that that's an appropriate ranking for him. Number seven is Caleb Williams, and he might be in the same position where I had him previously, but we saw how elite of a rusher he was in this. Well, first of all, in his high school tape, we saw how elite of a rusher he was um, uh, in the spring game. I don't know how, I know why, but he should be, he should quite frankly just be playing more because he adds a different dynamic that stresses defenses Um and he has—he's every bit the rusher that Anthony Richardson is. He should be playing more, but you know Spencer Rattler has confidence issues and attitude issues, and 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 quite frankly, the crowd might turn on him if if Caleb Williams gets in a game uh, and plays well. Number six, I've got DJU. DJU still has all the physical tools. I think that he can still turn it around, but that offense needs to change, and it can. We saw LSU's offense change back in 2019, so it's not beyond the realm of possibility. In fact, well, uh, maybe you can even pull Joe Brady. You probably can't now, but you maybe if you offer him a boatload of money and bring uh, Joe Brady from Carolina to uh, Clemson, that could, and he doesn't have to move that far, um, that's the type of fix that could help DJU. Number five is uh, is Malik Willis. Um, we look at what Jalen Hurts is doing in garbage time for the Eagles. Uh, Malik Willis could absolutely be. I mean, he's a he is a rich man's uh, Jalen Hurts, I think. Um, uh, and I, with as far as his athleticism and arm strength, I don't know that he's necessarily as accurate that you want to be. But tools wise. I think that Malik Willis has better tools than Jalen Hurts. Number four, I've got the man who cannot run in Carson Strong. Um, I've not watched as much Carson Strong tape from this year as I did from last year, but we see um, him dropping passes literally 60 yards down the field. There's no question that Carson Strong has opposite hash arm strength. Um, I, I I love that player. I know that he's a drop back passer, and he doesn't add a whole lot as far as running the ball. But in my opinion, he has he has every everything else that I would want in a quarterback. Number three, I've got Matt Corral. He's really matured this season. Number two is Sam Howell. If of the 2022 quarterbacks, the, the safest pick in my opinion would be Sam Howell. I don't know that he has the ceiling as some other uh, players, but he's. Now Sam Howell has added a rushing element to his game this year, and just imagine if he continues to develop that and he become if he becomes a rusher at the next level. And the number one is going to be number one for all of us, I believe, is Bryce Young, the Russell Wilson uh, type player. Uh, he's just been not only is he mature and and fun to watch but he's poised, he's he's accurate, uh very easily n- number 1. I want to speaking of Bryce Young's maturity, I want to go back to DJ or excuse me, Caleb Williams. One one of the reasons why I have Caleb Williams ranked ahead of Spencer Rattler is uh Caleb Williams' maturity. If you watched his um what do you call it when you de- when he when he declared for uh for committed with his his commitment press conference 24 7 covered him that night and they interviewed him for about uh it seems like there it was a 30 minute program and they talked to him that guy is going to be a CEO in the huddle I think he's going to be a player that uh teammates are galvanized by it's very similar to Justin fields and I value that at the quarterback position. And when you hear these kids talk, even as high schoolers, and you talk about Caleb Williams, he was doing recruiting. I mean, he was recruiting for OU. I just think that he's a really mature player, and um, that his leadership style is going to carry him a long way. So that's why I have uh, uh, Caleb Williams uh, ahead of Spencer Rattler. All right, Austin, go ahead. I
0: I have less of a problem with Williams above Rattler like Williams above Ewers. Who I think is just the more talented player, and now that he's reclassified, I don't know how he's not the number one guy in that class. We haven't really seen either, so
2: I mean, we've sorry. seen Let one, one rushing, rushing go with my touchdown for and... Caleb Williams. So,
1: one rush Yeah. Touchdown. I mean that's I've seen I've I've seen him in a spring game.
2: I mean.
0: Oh, okay. Spring game then. Cool. Okay. <laughs> um, well then. Um <laughs> So I have most of the same names. I'm not going to like go into depth on some of the guys you did. The two of you did, because my feelings are probably pretty similar on some of them. Number 10. Uh, well, number 11 is Malik Willis, just to say he's just outside this. Cause I know people are going to say, where did you put Malik Willis? And I I'll tie that in because number 10 is Carson strong for me. And why I have Willis number 11. I get that Willis has these tools to just be like, just that this could absolutely blow up in my face. But part of my thinking, especially as I do these, these, you know, rookie rankings as these guys are coming out is how long do I think this guy can survive at the quarterback position to like learn the things that he needs to learn to like keep a job, which is why I wasn't that high on Jalen Hurts and he's gotten some mixed reviews this year. And I think Malik Willis is going to be the, the same way. And I guess his legs will probably extend that a little bit, but you'll probably know by middle year two, if he's ever going to be accurate or yeah, you know, if he's ever just going to kind of get it. And I think that if he doesn't, then he's probably not as valuable to you anymore because he's probably not playing anymore. Um, And and so I think Carson Strong in that aspect, if he can get it early, then I think that he has a longer chance to hang around, even if I think the ceiling is significantly lower for Carson Strong, because I do. I I think his ceiling is not particularly high for fantasy purposes. Um, Number nine, Caleb Williams. I I agree with basically everything you said. Number eight, CJ Stroud. I think I'm the only one that still has CJ Stroud in my top 10. The opening game, I think he was a little nervous, and then the shoulder injury. And he we saw him make a lot of bad throws those subsequent games. He sat that week. He came back this week, and I don't think there, were any, there was an increase in great throws. Matt, you and I talked about this the other day. But there was a decrease in bad throws. I think that's a big step. We'll, we'll work on the bad throws, and then we can start. Because that offense, passing-wise, is so conservative anyway. Like in terms of, you know, with the position they put those wide receivers in to kind of maximize yardage after the catch and those things. Um, So, no bad throws is good. We'll get that down. We'll work on that for a few weeks and then we can work on some of the other stuff. Number seven, DJU, he looks lost. He looks lost. And I do get the, you know, he needs separators. We were just talking about this in the Discord today. Uh Clemson actually had a wide receiver supposedly coming in next year who was a slot-type guy, like sub-six-foot, like route-running kind of guy. And he declared for Texas today. So they don't have that guy coming in next year anymore. They only have Adam Randall signed up, who is, if you don't know, a 6'3 to 6'4, about 195-pound. Basically, Joe joe and got all over again coming out of high school that's all they have on the roster and so i don't think that things are going to get any better there uh for him how about we just get joe brady to do two jobs by the way those those that's a just, great idea just get your helicopter idea. go to the other place after you're done Who, who's who's with me here let's just let him do both jobs that's
1: a, that's an excellent idea
0: i'm a problem solver that's what i do um number six spencer rattler i, I agree with basically everything you guys said um the thing that's actually surprised me is that Caleb Williams hasn't gotten any plays yet because I think, and I might have talked about this in the C2C pod, his skill set is different enough from Spencer Rattler's that you could, that that Rick and Riley could say, oh, we just had a package for Caleb Williams this week because he's like the significantly better runner and really nobody would know the difference. I mean, people would be like, oh, he's," you know, people would say stuff, but you can't prove that it was a demotion. And you can see what you have at a Caleb Williams. I'm surprised we have not seen that yet. Number five, Jackson Dart. I'm extremely high on Jackson Dart. He just looked like he belonged from game one. And he's practicing this week. So hopefully we get him back sooner rather than later. Um, uh, He's a great, great player. Quinn Ewers, number four for me. Um, Just the most talented high school quarterback I can remember watching. Number three, Matt Corral. Number two, Sam Howell. And then I do have Bryce Young, number one. So that's my. Top ten currently. Kenny Pickett just missed it. Darn it, Kenny Pickett. <laughs>
1: let us let us know whose rankings you like the most, Matt Austin's or my own at Debbie Debate on Twitter. All right, boys, let's move on here. We're running a little long. Are you ready for the Debbie Debates? Let's do it. Why not? <laughs> that's, such a, that's such an Austin Austin response. Uh, Luke, lukewarm Austin came early this week. <laughs> The first question is, is should Jameer Gibbs consider transferring after this season? Jameer Gibbs is averaging 3.8 yards a carry. His uh, offensive grade, according to PFSF, is down from uh, 83.2 to 79.1. His run grade down a few points from 81.1 to uh, 78.9. He is not having a great season. He does have some highlights. I, I, there are still some highlights where he's creating collisions at 200 pounds and he's shedding tacklers. I'm still very high off of him this season, but we saw what Trey Sermon did um, going to Ohio State to improve his draft stock. We saw Eric Gray attempt to do the same thing at OU this season. Austin Ace is that something Jameer Gibbs should consider? Uh, going to another school to open to get some bigger holes for himself. You took my
0: Eric Gray example. That was my cautionary example that I was about to throw out about how we we he was at a team that was not as competitive. We said, "Man, imagine Eric Gray on a real team." Eric Gray heard us. He went to Oklahoma. We said, "Wow, Eric Gray on a real team. Guess how great he's going to do this year." And so far this year it's been At Oklahoma. he I think he's hurt his stock in this move because at least he would have been the featured guy at Tennessee this year. Kennedy Brooks is getting the large majority of those touches there. Eric Gray's stat lines for this season, guys. Five games. First game, nine for 27, nine for 74, 15 for 84, 12 for 38, four for 22. He's caught seven passes in five games. That was supposed to be what set him apart there in that offense. They haven't used him like that. Uh, with an offensive guru and Lincoln Riley. So, you know, we picked a guy that we thought had the ideal skill set and put him in the ideal offense, and it didn't happen for him. So I think we need to be very careful advising a lot of these kids, especially with the portal filling up more and more every day with the new rules uh, to switching teams. I think Gibbs is almost better off just saying, like, screw it. I will be the big fish in the small pond. Georgia Tech has been that school before. Yeah, you know, Calvin Johnson and then, um, uh, what's his name that played for the Broncos there for years? Wide receiver,
2: wide receiver, Broncos.
0: Didn't he come from Georgia Tech too? Uh, D- D- Demarius Thomas. I'm sorry. Yes, Demarius Thomas. Thank you. Like yeah. uh, Georgia Tech mm-hmm. has produced these guys, they, they, they've they shown that they can do that. Um, <laughs> uh, the, the, the level of the team doesn't hurt their stock. So, N- no, I was listening to try.
1: Austin. Nobody, <laughs> neither one of us were listening to Austin. That's okay. That's why we had to have <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm sorry, but... Yeah, I'm going to be, I thought you said a running back. I was like, there's a running back from Georgia Tech that went to Denver. My I, was, bad.
1: <laughs> I was looking at Matt, like, please save us. I don't know. what. <laughs> I,
2: I had no <laughs> idea what was going on. I Last him. time
0: I asked you guys anything.
2: So no, well, no, no it's, I don't
0: think he should transfer.
2: It's because I agree with you. And so I was like, that was just kind of like, okay, I agree with Austin. There's uh, everything you're saying is probably exactly what I'm going to say. So there's not much to add. Yeah. I, I mean, it's crazy, too, because I remember someone distinctly distinctly just got like ridiculed on an RB ranking summit because they said they didn't think Jameer Gibbs was going to be that good this year because they didn't think Jeff Sims was going to be that good. And it was thrown in my face that they had a great season last year and doesn't always matter. But that being said, I don't think he should transfer. We've seen it. It hasn't really worked out for that many running backs, in my opinion, that I can think of off the top of my head that have transferred recently and had a lot of success we don't know wherever Gibbs would go that he would be the guy. You know, I, I, I've comped him a little bit, not comped him, but I, I talked about him being, I could see him being like an Alvin Kamara where he wasn't really productive in college, but then goes to the NFL and then just completely smashes. And I do think that that's exactly what Gibbs can do. I agree with what Austin said at least at Georgia Tech, you know, you're going to be the guy. And I think with the way he looks and the way he looks on film, that's going to stand out to NFL teams. He may not have that college production for your C2C side or the campus side, but that doesn't matter because you're going to get likely like a round two, round three running back. Who's going to be really good in the NFL.
1: Yeah. Believe it or not, I'm going to say no, that he should not transfer. I agree with you both. Um, He's at he has 15 catches on the season already. So he's down as far as uh rushing the ball, but he's being very productive on the on through the air. He just had that 100-yard game. And and Georgia Tech's offense, for what it is for uh, not being able to open lanes for him, they are excellent at scheming him in the passing game because he he's used vertically on wheel routes on arrow routes. I mean, I think that teams are starting to catch on a little bit to that, but it's perfect to showcase his hands. And that is the best thing about Jameer Gibbs. I think he's an excellent running back. I think he's an, an excellent rusher, but the thing that really sets him apart is to, is the, the ability for, for him to run wheel routes vertically down the, down the sideline, a la Aaron Jones. He, he is great at that. And, uh, who is it? What's it? is it? Jeff Collins? What's the Jeff Coll Jeff Collins is excellent at Jeff Sims. No, I need... no, no, the coach. The coach. Oh, the coach. Tech. Okay. Je- yeah. <laughs> Nobody's answering my question. I don't know who Georgia Tech's head <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I'm it's Jeff, Collins. Jeff Collins. I, th- yes. I think it's Jeff Collins. He is excellent at that's Austin getting me back for earlier. By the way, um, it's Joff Geo. What's with these? What's with these Jeffs with the with Geo's? Like, it's just get out of here. I was gonna get say, I didn't think your...
0: it was a J name. I was like, I don't think it's it is. Jeff. And then I, I was Collins. like, it is Jeff, damn it. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. So, anyway, but Jeff Collins's offense is like tailor made for what Jameer Gibbs does well. I don't have a problem with him, him averaging under four yards of carry. And Jeff Sims has been out. Jeff Sims is a rusher, and he should be able to open more lanes for Jameer Gibbs as the season goes on. So, I agree with you both. I, both, I say that uh, Jameer Gibbs should stay put and fight on. Uh, what are the Georgia Tech Hornets? What are they?
0: They're some yeah. sort of. Yellow beat. jackets. or Yellow jackets.
1: We're falling all over. Our, I messed up earlier because I wasn't listening to you, Austin, because I was trying to tweet, should Joe Brady be allowed to have two jobs so that he can call plays for one college team in addition to the Panthers? So that's why I wasn't paying
0: attention. How's, how's that looking so
1: far? I think it's 100%. Uh, well, it's it's 23 votes, uh, 92% yes. So, all right. Um, Will Spencer Rattler be a first-round pick, Matthew?
2: This year, yes. We NFL GMs overrate the quarterback position. Again, we've seen it time and time again where you, I'm not saying that. I can almost promise you there's one out of all these teams that thinks he can do it. And that GM and that NFL head coach is, well, I can fix Spencer Rattler. or I can get the best out of him. So we're taking him here. It's great that he dropped to pick 26 or whatever. But we know he has the tools and the talents. He was really good at the end of last year. And the other thing I will say about Rattler, we, we do talk – bad about him he's not playing horrible he's just not playing great he's he's having okay games so when you go in you look at the stats and you look at the film you're gonna say okay well he's not we know what his ceiling can be and I think I can get that out of him because I I would almost promise you every NFL coach and GM thinks that so someone will take a shot on him because they're going to overrate this class that's just what they do right now it's moved that way to where we've seen Again, I pointed out a couple years ago the Browns took Brandon fucking lead in the first round because they needed a quarterback, and they thought, hey, I can make this guy happen. We saw it with Josh Rosen a couple years ago. Now, granted, Rosen may have gotten screwed a little bit in circumstances once he got to the NFL, but I don't think that he was ever really going to be a top-end NFL quarterback. Teams it We see it every year. Guys get drafted, shouldn't. I think he'll end up being drafted in the first round.
0: I I think he will. I think I agree with you, Matt. But I think he has a couple things working against him. First, I think NFL teams are at least aware, or not aware, like they they are very aware of the fact that he will probably be the only quarterback there that has played under Lincoln Riley that has not gotten demonstrably better at all. I think that actually will hurt him in that process. I think they'll look and see, you know, look what he did with Jalen Hurts was like a sixth round draft pick. And then he went to Oklahoma and suddenly is a second-round guy. I mean, he's had, what, two Heisman winners in Kyler and Baker. I mean, he's taken these guys that were – the stock was nowhere close and elevated them. He's supposed to be the best one that's come through yet. He's gotten 0% better. He's actually maybe gotten worse. And so what do we do with that? Two, I think, you know, when we rank Debbie guys, like we we rank – like we we all had Quinn Ewers in our top 10 and Caleb Williams in our top 10, even though we've never really seen them play. And the whole thing is they're they're here now at a certain level. And we expect based on either what the little bit we've seen so far or what we, you know, what we project, that that they're going to get X amount better. And that's why we have like this guy here. So I, the Rattler benefited from that the same way that Keaton Slovis benefited from that, if you don't see an improvement, that's a like that. That's all the value. There, there's no improvement there, and so the, that bet that you made it like didn't hit. So I think that that hurts him a lot too. Uh, and, and just a third point I want to make on him: if he goes, like I, everyone says that he like he should go back to school. Does Lincoln Riley want him back? He has no. Caleb Williams there.
2: No, I don't but think we, Riley
0: wants him back.
2: Yeah, I forgot you weren't on this episode. Me and Felix did this and we talked about it. We don't think it. We think he'll go back and not be at Oklahoma next year. And and I would not be surprised because I agree if he goes back Lincoln Riley's and like well we've got our guy in Caleb here thanks Caleb and Rattler's going to transfer but I do think if I think it would be better for him if he went somewhere else and then tried to recoup some of the value he's lost this year because again he's not even in my opinion playing as good as he did at the end of last year and he's not playing horrible like he really isn't it's just not he almost looks a lot like DJU he just looks lost at times doesn't look like the same quarterback.
0: So does he take that gamble, go back, and not improve at all? Even if he has to
2: transfer, like that,
0: then he's definitely like we can't even have that conversation anymore.
2: Well, I think if he gets told that he's going to be a first round draft pick, no, you're coming out. I don't. I mean, Dwayne Haskins did it. He was nowhere near ready. You're told you're going to be a first round. That's that's another guy I could have just brought up. Dwayne Haskins was nowhere near ready, and someone took him because there's always that one franchise that just loves to make a bad decision.
1: And Dwayne Haskins had a much better last season than Spencer Rattler is trending towards having right now. If Spencer Rattler comes out this season, I do not see him being a first round draft pick. I think in addition to Austin, as you said, he hasn't necessarily improved. I think that the rumors about the type of person that he is and lock, I think that, that those are true. And I think that that's, those are going to drop his draft stock tremendously. I, I'm, a, I'm against you two on here. I don't think that Spencer Rattler is a first round draft pick. Um, Twitter agrees with you two, 66% to 34%. We posted these polls earlier. Um, uh, 256 votes on this one believe that Spencer Rattler will be a first-round draft pick. Just to back up here, um, should Jameer Gibbs transfer after this season? 70%, 118 votes there. Uh, they believe that that Jameer Gibbs should transfer after this season. So it sounds like we're against Twitter on that one, 70 to 30%. Uh, go ahead and vote on these polls. We got one more question here. Vote on these polls at Debbie Debate on Twitter. Last one here. This is a pretty easy one. Uh, Austin, will Cincinnati make the playoff?
0: I think they will. I think enough other teams are going to lose out. Like we don't care who wins the ACC at this point. I don't think that person would have a better resume. That team would have a better resume. Um, I if Texas wins this weekend, the Big Twelve champion has at least one loss. The SEC champion is guaranteed to have one loss. And I honestly, even if both those teams get in, Oregon lost to the Pac 12 championship, champion isn't going to have a, isn't going to be undefeated. I mean, the, the things are falling for them perfectly. Um, and I mean, it's a bad year in college football. Like, I don't think their resume will be any worse than, say, Oklahoma loses this weekend and then wins out. I don't think their resume would be better than
1: Cincy's realistically. It would. So, I, I think that they have the potential to lose uh, two games the rest of the season one is SMUs currently ranked number 24 in the country that should be a fun game because you have a good defense versus a high flying offense but quite frankly the I I think they have the potential to lose to Tulane who is currently one in one in four um, but I like that I like that team I like Michael Pratt I like some of what they're doing offensively um, and that could be an upset for a team that you're over looking. So I'm looking at Tulane and I'm looking at SMU, Matthew, as potential losses. And if they lose one game, if they don't win out, they're not making the playoffs. So I think I don't think yeah. that they they finish the season unbeaten.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I feel uh, I gave a very passionate speech about this on Coast to Coast. So if you guys want to listen to that, go out check out the Camps to Canton podcast feed. It's toward the end of the uh, the wrap up episode. There, but I I definitely believe that they should. I, I don't know that Tulane is. I don't think that their defense has enough to contain how, I don't, not an explosive offense, but how good the Cincinnati offense can be. I actually think the two teams that could upset them is this week against Temple because they, they're they coming off a massive win against Notre Dame that they've even said was their Super Bowl. We've seen a lot of times that these teams get upset in weeks after these big games or right before the big games. So Temple's not a horrible team. We just saw them go beat Memphis. They're 3-2 and two on the season. They've got a really – we keep saying that their rush defense is not that good because people can pass all over them, or maybe it's the other way around. I can't remember at the moment. And yet they still keep having a very good defense – the other one is SMU. Obviously, Tanner Mordecai and that offense are rolling. Uh, the Bearcats' defense has struggled at times throughout this year. They've not looked as solid as they did last year. But if they go undefeated, I, I don't see any reason why they shouldn't be. You know, again, Oregon was the best shot. I think Pac-12 had it getting in. They just lost to Stanford, which was actually a really good game. Um, and I think Thibodeau getting thrown out in overtime is what changed that game for Oregon. But they still lost. I think Oklahoma's going to lose this weekend to Texas, so I don't think the Big 12 is going to get in. So realistically, you're going to come down to if Oregon goes undefeated, and and, and I don't think this is going to happen, but if Ohio State runs the table as well, it's going to come down to those three teams because I think Georgia and Bama are in. I don't see either one of those teams losing multiple times. So it comes down to those three for two spots. If Cincinnati goes undefeated, I understand that they're a group of five team, but as I said on Coast to Coast, and I'll keep it short right here, we've seen Notre Dame get in multiple times in the playoffs, and get absolutely blown out, and they're supposedly a top-tier program. Why not give Cincinnati a shot? I'm not saying they can compete with Bama. They end up the fourth seed and play against Bama. Yeah, they're probably going to get blown out, but they still deserve a shot because we can't keep throwing in these Notre Dames and everything to keep losing as these top-tier programs. Give Cincinnati a shot. They hung with Georgia last year for the entire game, and I understand Georgia says they weren't taking it serious. But I call bullshit on that. I think that's what the coach said. I think it's what Kirby Smart said after the game when they almost lost. I'm like, ah, well, you know, this and that. No, and that was a better team. Pickens was out there. JT Daniels was out there. They were all healthy, and they hung with them. Bama's better, but I I think Cincinnati could hang with them for a lot longer and put up a better performance than Notre Dame has in the past couple seasons.
1: Twitter thinks that Cincinnati is not going to make the playoff. 92 votes on this one, 62%. Uh, say no 36 38 say yes. Debbie debates are done, and the Debbie debate is done. No, Chris Moxley, no bold take, no lukewarm takes, because that is going to be our show for tonight. Check out all the campus to Canton con the can check out all the content around the campus to Canton family. Of course, the Debbie debate. Uh, why wait till Sunday? We're still doing that three and out. Um, Canton Brown campus life. uh but that's it. that's it for us. Apologies to Kurt Street. We ran out of time. We'll get him rescheduled soon. For Matt Bruning and Austin Nace, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck.
2: intercepted by Eli Apple at the 25 and Apple will go to the ground at the 32 and that's it. Ohio State national champions for the eighth time as they defeat Oregon 42 to 20. Here's Tua stepping back, loads up, looks long, throws, end zone Touchdown touchdown Alabama! Devontae Smith! Touchdown Alabama! And the Crimson Tide has once again ascended to the top of
1: the college football mountain. Their fifth national championship in nine years. Their 17th overall. And for Smith, Watson takes a snap, rolls right. He looks at the end zone. Hunter and Renfro it. Touchdown! 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 With a second left, Watson hits Renfro. And Clemson grabs a 34-31 lead and is one second away from the second national championship in school history. Hill, just in front of his end zone, has a man out there. It is Ranger and he's up to the races. Nobody will catch him.